is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. And we are ready to do this podcast. Are you guys ready? I am ready. Say I am ready. Keith, say I am ready. I am ready. Vince Goodwill, are you ready? I cannot be stopped. Vince Goodwill cannot be stopped, everybody. Welcome to Bad Boys and Beyond. This is the 2003 NBA draft episode. And as we already spoiled, we got an awesome guest today from Yahoo Sports and the Good Word uh, podcast. Brand new, brand new Good Word podcast. Podcast on the Ball Don't Lie channel. Vince Goodwill, everybody. I hey, appreciate y'all having me, man. Ready to have some fun. Yes, absolutely excited to have you with us. Um, this is we we've so the big drafts that we've done, we've done the 1984 draft, the 1996 draft, and now here we are, the 2003 draft. This is probably the last big major draft that we're gonna do for for quite a while. Um you know, at least this is the last one that everybody that lives in a lore that everyone talks about. Yeah. Uh, it, so this is an interesting one because obviously this is where the Darko Milicic things happened. And last week we did an episode on Darko Milicic. Before we get into our news and notes, Vince, I, I'm curious what your thoughts were on Darko and, and what you remember pre-draft and, and all of that. Uh, well, I was in college and I remember the whole Darko phenomenon. Like, it's funny, like, when you look at Victor Wimbanyama, like, we know so much about him now compared to recently. Like, there was grainy film. It was relying on maybe one or two scouts. Yeah. Pistons pretty much relied on one scout, right? That's That was selling Darko and, you know, sold, you know, sold the snake oil, right? And everybody thought, you know, it, it's weird that so many people thought that Darko was going second. Regardless of who had the second pick, the Pistons just had to be the unfortunate team in that spot because Doug Collins gave the gave the Pistons a gift 
during his disastrous tenure, which was trading Otis Thorpe, who he couldn't stand and couldn't stand him, to the Vancouver Grizzlies for a conditional first-round pick. Five years later? Four years later? What it was? Uh, what he, it was? He, he was traded in the summer of 97, so this would have been... This was the last year that the pick could have conveyed. If the Grizzlies landed the number one pick and got LeBron, the Pistons would have gotten nothing. Which might have, which might have actually worked out better, all things considered. If they got nothing, <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be the well, bane of everyone's existence. But, but then, I think but then, I'm sorry. Okay. I no good. But, but then we wouldn't have been blessed with Rodney Stuckey. If you weren't blessed with Rodney Stuckey, then maybe you hold on to Chauncey Billups a little bit longer. Oh, damn. I have a beat in my own game. <laughs> Butterfly effect. That does, does not happen often, but yeah, you damn. I, I, I totally did not see that coming. You're absolutely right. It, yeah, yeah, this is absolutely. <laughs> they would have been better off with nothing. So you mean to tell me that this Darko pick screwed the franchise on the front end and screwed them on the back end? Yeah, seems that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. God, I wish I had thought of that last week. All right. Um. Yeah. For the 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 news and notes in the O three there isn't that many uh, news and notes. The NBA's or the NBA draft is here to stay in New York, and it where it still is twenty years later. Uh. The the only thing about this draft that's notable is what we've all went over. Uh. This is probably the the most celebrated, most hyped uh, number one pick of all time. In, in all honesty, uh, we we can all just say that it's LeBron James, and everyone remembers that. Of everyone of a certain age remembers that Sports Illustrated cover, you know, a year and a half uh, prior to this, where it said he was the number one pick in the draft, and he just kept getting better. And lo and behold, uh, he's here. But I, I know people uh, say there's a lot of hype around uh, like Victor Wembanyama or any of like Zion or any of the the previous number one pick. It, it never even scratched the surface of the the hype, the the immense amount of, of uh, media uh, pressure that was around uh, LeBron James. Like th this this draft is historic, even if it's just a one person draft. All right, so. Uh, with the, the number one pick in this draft, and that falls to me in this Theseus uh, draft pick, I think any of us will ever have to make. I don't care that he leaves uh, and, and comes back. The Cavs still get a championship out of it. Uh, I don't see anyone else on this board uh, getting the Cavs to a championship, it's not, let alone getting them to the finals five times. It, it's LeBron James. I, I'm not going to waste anybody's time here. Uh, also, the... Uh, the second player picked uh, in our redraft that's still act <laughs> that's still uh, active in the NBA, uh, Udonis Haslam was the first. Wow! Wow! Brave right. pick very, very, very brave selection there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is uh, really I, I took out of out of, out of the box stuff. Out of the box stuff. I spent many hours uh, <laughs> looking for reasons to not pick LeBron. I, I really didn't. There's just there, there's no way I can pick anybody else. Uh, <laughs> someone had to. Someone had to take this bullet, and it was me. Right. All right. However, with the number two pick, uh, the Detroit Pistons, uh, courtesy of the Vancouver Grizzlies, in in a deal that uh, Vincent already mentioned, uh, he will be representing the Detroit Pistons in this draft. 
And oh my goodness, uh, the amount of ways any number of these uh, remaining selections could affect and change the trajectory of the Detroit Pistons' future. Uh, have you settled on anyone yet? I have. I have. Okay. Um, and it, 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 it was between two players. And it wasn't between the two players that one would think of. It was not between Darko Milicic and Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> I have Larry Brown as my coach or Larry Brown as my incoming coach. And I'm going to have to deal with that monster in Cleveland for years to come. I'm coming off an of Eastern Conference Finals appearance. And theoretically, I need a big man. So if you need a big man, you take Chris Bosh, right? But I right. got to go against that monster in Cleveland. So I'm going to take Dwayne Wade out of Marquette as the number two pick. And might that cause some issues with my incumbent shooting guard, Richard Hamilton? Sure. Right? Absolutely. But I feel like I can work that out. I can bring Wade off the bench early, have him play both guard positions. And then when I see that he is that guy, slide him over. And he can do his thing while still maintaining all of my capital to trade for Rasheed Wallace five months later. So, yeah, a couple of things mm -hmm. there. Uh, aside from Wade, I think being objectively a little bit better than Carmelo and Bosch, but they're in this, they're in the same conversation. But that's not why I, I love this pick. Uh, it is two reasons. One, like you just said, you, you not only have the assets to go and get Rasheed you still have the reason, a reason to go and get Rasheed Wallace. Because if you take Chris Bosh, and people forget Chris Bosh was very good almost right away, it is Joe Dumars still under pressure to go and get that that big that next big man that could fit next to Ben Wallace? I three months into the season, we could be saying it's Ben Wallace and Chris Bosh, uh, that offense defense combo, and we don't need Rasheed Wallace. And the Pistons may wind up with zero championships because of that. But yeah, I, Dwayne Wade, like you said, I in theory, he is like the perfect third guard on that 0-4 team. Now he's probably going to grow into the that starters role, and you'll probably have to make a very tough decision sooner than later. It won't be that tough when if but, I've got the third or fourth best shooting guard of all time. Right. It ain't really that tough. Well, it would be tough for Rip Hamilton or Chauncey Billups. It wouldn't be a tough for <laughs> Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, this is – God, just, just to think, um, just real quick, do you, do you think the Pistons with Dwayne Wade uh, would have more than one championship ring? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely? Okay. Just, just, just down the road, like, yeah, obviously if they go and get Rasheed anyway – that that's a no-brainer. I'm just thinking. But all right, here's my second question before we move on. Uh, do you think that Dwayne Wade would have uh curbed the massive drop-off after that that core four uh, you know aged out of the league and Joe broke up the band? Do you do you think uh Dwayne Wade after because he he kind of wore because he, he's a little bit older than uh LeBron and and Bob, he he kind of aged out a little bit quicker but do you, do you think he still carries the Pistons into the 2010s yeah I, I think so in large part because we saw Arnie Kander hold Antonio McDyce's knees together with duct tape and God you know what I mean so I, I feel like 
A, he wouldn't have been taking the pounding early because his minutes wouldn't have been, you know, as rigorous, as tough. And and B, I think just from the standpoint of the type of minutes that he's playing, who he's playing against, who he's not playing against. He's not playing against those Detroit Pistons, right? Right. Like you you my the Miami Heat are eliminated as a contender, theoretically, because you have Dwayne Wade. And he can go up against LeBron James in the same geographical situation. And maybe that competitiveness sort of gets him to stick around as opposed to maybe teaming it up with him. Or, and I don't want to say this, but or. Oh, boy. You know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> yes, I do. You're talking about LeBron in a Pistons jersey. I, I, I'm just I'm just saying, if the, if the Pistons are multiple champions and, and Dwayne Wade is here and, and LeBron is struggling to get past them out of the East, I, I look, we're not going to make this whole pot about this pick. I, I'm just, the thought just popped into my head because he, he left to join Wade in Miami. I, I, it's look, Detroit is not South Beach. I get that. But you answer your just, own questions before you ask them. Detroit is not Miami. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it would have played out the same. I would, I maybe just they go with team up in Chicago and that winds oh. up being worse. Yeah. Oh, I could see God, that. I love, I love how many ways this could go. I wish this pod could go forever, but it can't. All right. So the number three pick. God, that's such a great discussion, though. I got to. I got to say though, before we get into that, I mean, I think Dwayne Wade. Like you're, you. We already know the Pistons are going back to the finals in 2005, but I think that th- there's no way that 2007 Cavs team beats beats this team with Dwayne Wade. Pistons no, are going back no, to the finals no, in 2007. That's Wade in his in his actual prime. Yeah, really. That, that Pistons team just needed somebody that could score some more points. That, so what, I mean, that's, that's all that series was. So like, theor- theoretically, I mean, there's another, yeah. there's your other championship if they don't win again in 2005 with with Wade. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think they had a great chance against the Spurs if they had advanced that far as they were anyway. A- anyway. Uh, number three pick, uh, the Denver Nuggets. And I think this is a very interesting call. Uh, my co-host, Mike Payton, will represent Denver. Yes. Uh, see, now I was hoping that Vince was going to take Chris Bosh, considering that was that was the only other guy the Pistons really worked out. Uh, so, <laughs> and I was going to take Dwayne Wade with the Nuggets pick. But now I am in a position where I could either stick or I could try to do something crazy uh, but I, I think the smartest thing to do is just stick here because, you know, I'm taking the second best scorer. Maybe I guess theoretically career scorer. Uh, if you break it down by the stats, this is the second best career scorer in this draft. Carmelo Anthony uh, by 0.5 points over Dwayne Wade. Um, so he's, he's the best player left on the board. I, I got to take him. Um, he, he really did kind of put the nuggets on the, on the, the map there for a little while. They couldn't obviously figure it out. They tried a bunch of different things with, with Allen Iverson and bring it in Chauncey and some, and bunch of stuff. It didn't work, but it was, it's, it's better than where they were for sure. Um, and I don't know if Chris Bosch could have, could have been any better in that situation. So Carmelo to the nuggets, super, super risky and uh surprising oh. pick much like Keith's first pick. Yeah, my first thought was because Carmelo left. He left when the Nuggets were at like their peak. He still left. He still yeah. wanted to leave. 
But at the same time, Bosch also left Toronto around the same time. So right. I don't, if you take Bosch, does he stick around? I, I don't know how you can justify saying that. And Carmelo, I think, is objectively just a little bit better than Chris Bosch, even though I think Bosch is, is a better fit on a championship team. It seems like uh, no matter no matter what we do, we're we're going to be stuck with the fact that these, yeah. these everybody's going to leave and these guys are going to go team up somewhere. Yeah, but in, in any case, uh, speaking of Chris Bosch, uh, with the fourth pick, and once again, I am left with a very boring selection. Uh, <laughs> by far, he he is better than the, than the next five players on this board put together. Uh, Chris Bosch goes once again goes to the Toronto Raptors, and I, and I say this knowing that Chris Bosch, from a team perspective, accomplished absolutely nothing in Toronto. But it, it's hard to say that any of these other guys would have done any more. And and Chris Bosch was still one of the best big men in the NBA in his prime, a perennial All Star. He he did get them to the playoffs, even though they weren't good enough to really go anywhere once they got there. And yeah, he's going to break Toronto's heart again, but I I can't paint a better uh, future for the rest of this decade uh, without Chris Bosch than I can with Chris Bosch. So I'm kind of between a rock and a hard place, just like Mike was with Carmelo. I have to take Bosch number four. There's no other option. I mean, it doesn't sound so bad. Like you're you're making it seem like you're you're taking Chris Washburn or something like that. Like you're not. <laughs> No, it, it's not bad. It's just I would like to I'm, – I'm trying to make the Raptors a little bit better for the Ra- – but I, I'm staying the course with a guy that I know will be great for them. Uh, like, if there were a similar – like, Carmelo Anthony, I think, might be more interesting in Toronto because we we never saw it. We saw Chris Bosh in Toronto. I'm not saying it, it's a bad thing. It's just not necessarily the most interesting pick. It's like LeBron in Cleveland. Um, but you know, I, I, am not, I'm, I'm not going to be disingenuous. He's uh, the obvious pick. So, uh, Miami has been essentially screwed over by our redraft. Yes, they, uh, they may be in the lottery for years to come now, uh, with the number five pick. And I I'm interested to see, cause you could go any which way with who the, who the fifth best player in this draft class is, uh, Vincent. Uh, who, who have you settled on at number five? Well, for me, it, I won't say it's an easy pick, but I feel like as far as impact player who also fits everything the Heat culture, you know, says that they're about as far as being a tough guy and everything else. And this was still in 2004, tough league. Yeah. So taking David West out of yeah. Xavier seems to be the easy pick. He didn't get off to like the greatest start. It took him a couple of years to get going, which is fine because the Heat, if they didn't get Dwayne Wade, they were going to be relying on, you know, the Lamar Odoms, the Eddie Joneses, you know, and Brian Grant, I think was still there, you know, to be able to, to be able to get to a spot where they were going to be a, I want to say they were a, a four or five seed that year in the Eastern Conference. They were four seed. Because Which they played year? Indiana in the second round. Indiana was the top seed in the East that year. Oh, if my, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, my, if my brain works. So, You're yeah, I, 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 think, I think David West is a pretty, for me, a pretty easy pick. Tough, reliable, and he's going to be able to fit in there for a number of years, regardless of when they get it going with some other free agents that they might wind up getting regard anyway. 
Yeah, as soon as you, as soon as you you brought up the word toughness, I crossed David West off my board. Uh, I think I know a lot of people remember him, uh, especially younger people who probably remember him from his Indiana days. Uh, you know that, that what do they call it, Smash Mouth basketball? But people forget how good he was as a as a pick and pop uh, jump shooter in New Orleans with Chris yeah. Paul. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah. For some reason, he made 15-foot pick-and-pops entertaining because he was just automatic every time. Great footwork. Just I, he, He's by far the best player in this class, but he might actually be my favorite. Uh, it, I feel like I'm being insulting to, to the first four guys, but just I loved watching David West play. Just so damn fundamentally sound. All right. Um, the uh, number six pick, uh, the L.A. Clippers, uh, who are actually still stuck in limbo, but they're at, they're they're about to be pretty good pretty soon. Uh, I think they're about a year away from that. Uh, Mike Payton, who who are we taking at number six? Well, I think uh, conventional wisdom would have you take um, a certain player here, who I think might be the next best player. But I'm not going to take that person because it just it just does not work with team fit. I, I I'm looking at this team right now. They are pretty good when it comes to, you know, that forward area, Elton Brand, Corey Maggette. Uh Originally, they obviously took Chris Kamen here at center, which was uh, not a horrible pick, but it's it's just, it's, I don't think it's what this team needs. I think what this team needs is they need somebody to run this, run this court. They need a point guard. Um, and I, I'm going to take uh, who I think the best available point guard is, and that's, Mr. Uh, Kurt Heinrich out of Kansas. And, uh, you know, he's going to come here and he's going to run this floor. He can also score. He could do a lot. I think this makes the Clippers a much more complete team than if I were to take Josh Howard, who I think might've been the the next best player on, on, on the board. At least he was on my board. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go a little out of the box here and take Kirk Heinrich. And uh, maybe the Clippers are going to have a better run here. Man, James is gonna hate you. Sorry, James. Yeah, sorry, James James is gonna hate you because you you essentially uh, blocked them from drafting Sean Livingston next year. Yep. (laughs) He he, president of the Sean Livingston uh, fan club, James Edwards, is gonna be very upset with me. Yeah, actually, I I don't. All right. We know they're going to go out and try and get Sam Cassell in in a year, and that's that's going to work out extremely well for them. So I don't necessarily – they drafted Sean Livingston, so I don't think having Kirk Heinrich is going to prevent them from that, just having a rookie point guard. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Heinrich, Heinrich played both point and, and the two in his career. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you, he you would can move him around. He's And right now, Q Rich is, is the shooting guard here. And, you know, I mean – I I love Q Ridge. I, I I love the Knuckleheads podcast. Love it. Uh, but that's not going to stop me from from moving on from him or putting him to the bench or or whatever. So I think Livingston is very much in play next year. Yeah, uh, you you can say a lot of things about Kirk Heinrich. Uh, not the most talented player, but he was tough as nails. <laughs> good to, good two way player. I think he was actually a little bit better defender than he was a. a point guard to be honest with you because he was there were nights where he just couldn't hit a damn thing but he always played tough defense uh, like i always respected him even if i didn't think that highly of uh, uh his offensive game speaking of the bulls oh oh man i hate the whole i i really hate the position you put me in 
Because once again, with Eddie Curry and Eddie Curry was still on the Bulls at this point, right? I believe so. So with Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler, you have once again put me in a position for the second straight year where I have to select a center because he's by far the best player in the board. So, oof, I really hate this because he's just a horrible fit on Chicago. Can I justify taking the next guy on my board? You know what? I think I will. All right. So with the seventh pick, the Chicago Bulls select Kyle Korver. Ooh. Yeah. Ashley uh, Kutcher. He 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 is not a better player than Chris Kamen. However, I think he is a a really, really good fit on this this uh, young Bulls team. They're not the baby Bulls yet. They don't have they don't have Ben Gordon. They don't have uh Luol Dang yet. But the one thing that team really lacked was a like an outside and, and yeah, I know they had Ben Gordon, but they that wasn't enough. They like that outside firepower. And and Corver, I better defender than I think people gave him credit for, but just a knockdown shooter, like just one of the best role player, just catch and shoot guys from three of all time. Uh, does he bring a whole lot else to the table? Not necessarily uh, to be picked this high in the draft. I, I just like his fit on the Bulls a little bit better, and I, I think having came in and look, we know Curry and Chandler, or, uh, yeah, Curry and Chandler don't work out in Chicago. But is is that worth is that drama worth Chris Kamen? I don't think he's quite that good. He's he's a very good center, just not a franchise guy. So I, I don't love taking Corver here, but I don't love any particular player at this pick. That makes sense. That makes <laughs> he, sense. Okay. That makes well, sense. I, I didn't know if I didn't know if you had maybe you had him a lot lower on your board than I did, Vince. No, no, no. No, no. He was he was on the board for uh next selection. So, oh, okay. I was wondering why you you, you acted surprised. He he was on right. he was on the board. He was, he was there was a thought there was a thought of taking Chris okay. Kamen next. So with the next pick, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, out of curiosity, do you remember how uh, Milwaukee Bucks got this pick? Was this a? Mm, was this a? Tractor trailer trade? It, it was not. It was actually someone a little bit, a lot more uh, notable. Okay. All right. Um, played his entire career under his rookie contract, and the Bucks traded him at the end of it. Played his entire. I, I, I'm not going to leave you hanging forever. Just. Yeah. Leave, yeah. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Just. Just give it to me. Okay. Uh, number one pick in his own draft. This is the Glenn Robinson trade. There oh, you go. I spoiled it. Yeah, wow. he, he, they, yeah, they sent they sent Big Dog to Atlanta at the very end of his uh, end of his contract for a just a straight up 3 first round pick, and this this is how they got it. Wow, that is pretty amazing. And the way I see the Bucks at this point, they're kind of in limbo. They've traded Ray Allen. You've got Gary Payton there, but we know Gary Payton is going to leave and go to the Lakers. So you would think I would take a point guard, right? So I right. was looking at Mo Williams. I was really, really looking at Mo Williams and thinking, could I make that work? I could make it work. But I'm going to pick a player who's actually going to be an all-star, a one-time all-star, the one all-star that Dirk Nowitzki played with in the post-Steve Nash era, the entire time he was in Dallas. 
you know what guys know who I'm talking about. Josh Howard from Wake Forest. Solid career, especially early. Tailed off a lot later. But if we're talking about the Bucks trying to keep things afloat, especially with that madman George Carl coaching them, and you're bereft of stars and you're bereft of wings, especially with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James in my division, I'm going to take Josh Howard and be reasonably okay there. Yeah, people forget Josh Howard, he was really, really good really fast. And then he just – he also burned out uh, extremely early. But, yeah, I remember when, when the Dallas originally got him – and uh, Marquise Daniels, who I'm assuming is not on anyone's board in this, but that was like, man, he he was, that was just like an embarrassment of riches for that that, that talented Dallas team to get him. Uh, I forgot where they picked him, but it was late. But yeah, they picked really, him at really, 29. Yeah, he was nearly a second round pick. That was just that was fantastic. It, what there were there were only 29 picks in this, in, so yeah, he was the very last pick in the first round, right? Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Until, we we don't have thirty until a year from now. Yeah, that sounds about yeah. right. But yeah, yeah, this he was one of the bigger first round steals, I think. Uh, yes, he was. Day. All right, uh, the New York Knicks uh, at number nine, Mike Payton uh, representing is Isaiah. No, Isaiah wasn't on the. He wasn't picking for the Knicks yet at this point, was he? No, he, oh, he got there in December of 03, if I remember correctly. Right, because he was still technically coach of the Pacers at this point, even though I think they fired him just after free agency. The story behind that is yeah, we won't get into that, but it's it's weird. All right, so, Mike, uh, who, who are you selecting uh, at number nine to welcome Isaiah Thomas into the, the New York Knicks? Uh, uh, I'm not even going to say it, just – who who are we picking for the next fight? Okay, well, first, this is an incredibly hard team to draft for. I just want to read off these. All right, now these players. Thank you. I was hoping you'd do this. These players played for this 2004 team. All right, everybody ready? Here we go. I'm going to start. Vin Baker, Penny Hardaway, Alan, Alan Houston, Stefan Marbury, Antonio McDice, Dikembe Mutembo, Kurt Thomas, Tim Thomas, Keith Van Horn, Charlie Ward, Clarence Weatherspoon, uh, Othella Harrington, Nazi Muhammad. This is an this is insane. All of these guys played for this team in 2004. Uh, obviously, not all at the same time. There were a bunch of trades. I I don't know what to do at this point. I, I almost want to just draft nobody. Uh, but I got to pick somebody, and I know nobody. No matter who I pick at this point, he's going to get booed. Um, we're in New York. <laughs> he's gonna get booed um so man i almost want to do it just to spite the new york crowd just to, i'll just get uh no i i think i think i think the best best thing to do at this point is to go with a point guard because who doesn't love a point guard and this team despite having all these players on it i know they're gonna have stefan marbury in like the second half of the season but there's and I know there's Charlie Ward's already there, but he should be playing football somewhere. Um, <laughs> he should be playing for the Jets or the Giants at this point. I'm gonna take Mo Williams. I, I think I it, I think that's probably the best thing to do is to take Mo Williams 
And, you know, he's going to be a, a good backup. I bet you he starts for the first half of the season and maybe they don't even, maybe they don't even make this Stefan Marbury trade. Although I think the Knicks made that Marbury trade less for the, the need of having a point guard and than they did for like to sell tickets. I think, yeah. I think they were like, you know, let's get, we need a star player here is what we need and, and not uh, so much a, a player that fits our team. Well, I'll say this. Well, I don't think this would prevent Isaiah from going going after uh, Stefan Marbury. It, it might at least curb him from going after Steve Francis. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if you hire Larry Brown, all bets are off. If you hire Larry Brown two years later, it doesn't matter what you draft or who you draft now, because Larry's going to want them all traded, yeah, and he's going to want them all back. Larry Larry Brown would trade himself. If you gave him that authority, he has traded himself. He's the only guy to coach. He had coach of two teams in one season. I he was, co- he was collect. If I remember correctly, I feel like he was collecting checks from like three different teams and he wasn't coaching any of them. <laughs> I love Larry Brown. Be- before we, before we move on, Vince, uh, you, you know, we talked off air. You're a shoe guy. If you, you can't see Vince's wall, but it's filled with Jordan's. Uh, did you have any starberries? Hell no. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it like that, <laughs> but absolutely not. Absolutely. Like, I, I wore functional basketball shoes that I did not want to break my foot in. You know what I mean? So, right. no, no, no. I do have some Grant Hills back here that okay. actually, that that Fila gave me, that Grant that Grant made sure the, that he sent to me uh, a couple summers ago. So, it's not all, it's not, I'm not betraying my Detroit roots. Fully, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm, I don't have any, you know, old school Asics or Pumas, uh, but my my bad boy roots and hate of the Chicago Bulls still reigns, despite having several dozen pairs of Air Jordans. It's okay. Yeah. I got. I have. I have Jordans too. I think it's you. Kind of have to have them. I mean, I can say Michael Jordan is the greatest player ever and still hate him completely, even <laughs> though I even it's a weird thing. I can't believe we're going into this tangent, but I will say this. I don't think the I, it's a weird thing. I think Jordan's presence elevated the bad boys in a way that they'll never get credit for. Because wow, Jordan, I agree with you, 100%. Because, like you can't, in my opinion, it's almost like. Like Golden State's championship, most recent championship, that means more to me than the other ones. Not because of Kevin Durant or anything else, but because they could lose, right? Like the Pistons weren't going to lose to the Bulls in 89 or 90, but they could have because Michael Jordan was that great and he brought a level of greatness. They brought a level of greatness out of each other. Neither side will ever care to admit that publicly. And that I won't say it's a shame. It's kind of the beauty and the curse of that rivalry, but... Yeah, and how do we get here? Because I got Jordans on the wall. My bad, well, y'all. You know, it's all about the hills you have to climb, and the bad boys were one of the biggest hills that Jordan had to climb. And, and let's be honest, I mean, someone brought this up to me uh, earlier today on Twitter, but the, the bad boys played some very boring finals because they weren't very competitive. <laughs> the only competitive, the only competitive series the Pistons ever played were the ones that they lost. The if, Portland series, no, I, the Portland series was really, really. It was, it was yeah. one overtime game, one game that yeah. almost went to overtime. The only blowout was Game Three, but Game One was the Isaiah comeback. Game yeah. Three was the Dumars game. Game Two was the overtime loss. Game Five was the Vinnie Johnson game. I mean, I feel like that was a pretty 
close competitive final. It just wasn't. I mean, I didn't want to see that go seven games. I feel like they needed to win that in five anyway. Yeah, I think calling okay. Obviously, you're right. That wasn't boring. I just didn't think like after game three. I I don't. You could just feel like the Pistons knew they were the better team, and and Portland was still competing. But I don't think there was any sense that Portland was going to take another game of this because the the Pistons put their foot down even without Rodman in game three. And they just they were clearly the better team. I you're right. Games games four and five were were close, but the Pistons just out executed Portland in every facet in the final two minutes of both of those games. It was just clear, you know, when, once it came down to winning time, the Pistons were going to take those. But the, no, the only point where I was saying what I was about to bring up was in eighty nine and ninety, uh, the Pistons lost to the Bulls four times. They only lost the, the entire the, the field, the rest of the league. They only lost, uh, I think, three times. No, 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 twice. Once against the Knicks, once against the Blazers, and that was it. And in two years, so you're, you're right. Without Jordan being involved in those playoffs, yeah, we might be talking. Oh my God, they just swept everybody. But you know, it, there's looking back on it, that's not a, an interesting narrative. Like Jordan created a great narrative for the 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 bad boys, just like the bad boys created a foil for Jordan to get over. Like you're right, in a way they 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 lifted each other up, and I don't think they'll get. I don't think they'll give each other credit for that uh, anytime soon. But no, you you made an excellent point. All right, so the the number ten pick, uh, cycling back around. Yep. Uh, the the Washington. Speaking of Michael Jordan. <laughs> there we go. Such a great segue. All right. Uh, the Washington Wizards, and I'm just going to erase his, uh, Michael Jordan's uh, biggest mistake. And I am going to take – no, well, he's no longer with the Bulls. He was anymore. gone by that point. He yeah, was gone. But I'm still going to erase his biggest mistake. I'm going to take a guy that should have been off the board talent-wise a few picks ago. That's Chris Kamen uh, out of Central uh, Michigan. And – yeah, Kwame's not going to work out. Uh, he's off to bigger and better things in L.A. They're going to get Karan Butler for him. Everybody wins. I think it's weird because Chris Kamen was just a little bit older than me, so I, I had a chance to follow him a little bit in high school. It was a – I forget which high school he went. It was a class, like, D team, and he struggled a lot against a lot of small high schools because he just wasn't developed uh, physically or skill-wise. He was just really, really tall. And that's kind of how he wound up at Central Michigan. And, and over over a few years, he just – he developed. He just – everything just fell into place for him. And there were still a lot of doubts on whether or not – because he was – he was still uh, pretty slow. He didn't have great range. But we're still in the early 2000s. So that didn't matter as much. And, yeah, he went to the Clippers, and he was – he was a fantastic like the Clippers picked him high in this draft they picked him sixth and he absolutely proved that he was worth it uh I think no a lot for his uh like his floppy hair like he didn't have much of it at that time but he yeah it was just flopping around but yeah uh Chris Kamen all-star we're getting an all-star at pick 10 I, I I'm loving this is my favorite uh favorite uh fit of all the guys that I've picked so far all right, so Golden State, and they are just they're just stuck in misery. Uh, I I don't know. Even with all the talent they have, they're just bad. They're kind of like the Pistons now, where they have young talent, and you just don't see 
a, a path anywhere. All right, uh, Golden State, uh, Vincent Goodwill, you have the number 11 pick. Do you have a solution here? I don't know if I have a solution, but I have a fun player. And I feel like if you're not going to be bad, be fun, right? And that 03 team was reasonably fun. You had Jason Richardson. You had Gilbert Arenas before he lost his mind. You had Anton Jameson. Like, it was a very Golden State of the time team, a fun team that wasn't going to win anything and it just made going to Oracle back then a party, right? A party for everybody. Party for the people in the stands, a party for you. Party for the visiting team. A party for the visiting team. I'm going to pick a player who wound up being a Golden State Warrior later in his career. I was really close. I was really, really close to taking TJ Ford because you know you're going to lose Gilbert Arenas in free agency and you need a point guard. But I'm taking best player available and best player available is Leandro Barbosa from Brazil, a guy who's, I think the last, his first six years, he shot 40 from three on four attempts. And this is like before the analytics revolution, before even really seven seconds or less sort of filters into how, you know, the game is being played and, and taught back then. So I think Gil, I think Leandro Barbosa back then would have fit in wonderfully with everything the Golden State Warriors would have done, even if they weren't going to win any games. Sorry, TJ Ford and your two big shorts. Everyone had those shorts on back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, we wore shorts. We wore hoop no. shorts underneath our jeans back then. <laughs> we were losing our minds. Yeah. Everyone, it, it, it started to become a contest to see who could wear the baggier shorts until i don't know who stopped the trend but thank god for them because at some point someone looked down and said i look ridiculous <laughs> all right um yeah leandro barbosa fastest guy in the entire league north south uh for for a number of years you know he he reminds me not skill not his game but the way he handled the ball the way he could move remind me a lot of Jaden ivy how he would just his dribbling style his first step would be like he would throw the ball almost like two feet ahead and then just run and go get it. Like that's the same thing that Jaden Ivey does. That reminds me a lot of Leandro Barbosa, just, just pure speed. He, his whole, NBA I thought you were going to a different stuff. piston. I thought you were going to a different piston uh, of a, of a different era. With that, with that, with that exact sort of attribute. Oh, you mean? Yeah. I thought you were well, going with young Lindsay Hunter. Lindsay, well, you know what, from an athletic standpoint, he was arguably North South anyway yeah you couldn't I don't know if anyone could beat him in a foot race in the 90s it's weird because I don't think his first step was all that great it's like his top speed was just end to end yeah yeah once he once he got there yeah but yeah with with Ivy and Barbosa it's the first step they would they would get a step on you and then they were they were just gone all right um, um uh number 12 uh the Seattle Supersonics, and they're they're in an interesting spot. They've got Ray Allen, you've got uh, Richard Lewis. Uh, the question is, can you can you build a championship team around that? Uh, Mike Payton, do you have an answer for us? Oh no, no, you cannot build a championship team around that. I'm sorry, uh, it's not going to happen. Um, not with certainly any of the players left on this board. Uh, they, this team needs a point guard because the team they the point guard they wound up going with is Luke Ridenour, which uh and Antonio Daniels, which isn't horrible, 
Um, I mean, I think I think you could make a, a good case to still take Luke Ridnour, but I'm going to go with uh, a more of a a flashier player who I probably in, in real life did, didn't last this long. Um, would have been was scooped up a, a few picks earlier. I'm going to go with TJ Ford out of Texas. Okay. Uh, some injury issues in his career. Um, missed an entire the entire 2005 season with a back injury. And I'm not sure if he fully got over that, especially later in his career when he wound up, you know, he just, he aged out or he didn't age out. He just, he just couldn't play long. Um, wound up retiring at two, and at 28 years old, didn't retire. Just nobody took him. Um, but was a good player there for a while with the Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors uh, when he was healthy. I'm going to hope that simply that I've just got a better uh, training <laughs> team over here in Seattle before we eventually moved to Oklahoma city. But uh, yeah, TJ Ford, I think is, I think it's probably the best player left on my board. At least that I'm going to have an opportunity to draft. Yeah. You TJ Ford. Well, I don't think he had any chronic like structural problems with his health. It's just, he had a real, I, as I recall, he had a freak accident where he went up for a dunk or an alley-oop or something. He just got flipped over and fell flat on his back. And that's how he like fractured his spine, right? So it was something along those lines where it wasn't it wasn't like I, like usually get knee problems or no, he just he had a freak injury and that kind of messed up his whole career. But I, I remember uh, T.J. Ford in the 06 uh, playoffs against the Pistons. Man, he was quick as hell. Like the the Pistons won that series, but it was not a fun series. Not like 04 where they just bludgeoned them to death. Like T.J. Ford was getting where he wanted to go. And that that made me think that the Bucks had more of a future than they really did. But going back to what you said about Luke Ridenauer, that was kind of a, if you, people remember that 03 draft, that was kind of a, a controversial pick, or at least it set off a, a a conversation in ESPN. You remember what Jay Billis said about Luke Ridenauer after they after the Sonics picked him? No, he can't guard the chair I'm sitting in. Wow. And, and it, it touched off this conversation. That's of, almost uh, racist. <laughs> it touched off this conversation on air about uh, not uh, about is it okay to draft a guy that can't play defense, which is it's just such a, a huge contrast to today, right. where we're drafting guys that can't really defend, but they can shoot or they can handle or they can create. And they're still very highly rated on everyone's board, but I just I just remember that 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 was such a great line from 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 Jay Billis, but it it created a like a, it was created it set off like a five minute conversation on Luke Ridenour <laughs> during the during during the draft that had Wade Carmelo and and Bosch and LeBron in it. All right, so we're cycling back around one more time. Uh, we mentioned uh, Steve Francis earlier, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, this is their last uh, uh, payment from the Rockets from trading them uh, Steve Francis four years prior, uh, just after the draft. And, God, who did the Grizzlies have at this point? They've got Powell. They've got Jason Williams. They've got Shane Battier. Uh, I don't recall them having anyone else really of note. Uh, Stromile Swift, but that's, all due respect, not really someone of note. Um, so... Really a blank canvas here around around Pau Gasol. 
And who am I going to pick here? Well, one, I know Jason Williams is not long uh, for this franchise. Oh my God, I have the perfect pick. <laughs> I, I I was I I didn't even realize this. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go straight to Spain. I'm going to pick up one of Powell's uh, countrymen. Out of Spain, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies select Jose Calderon. And, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Piston fans at home don't have the greatest memories of Jose Calderon. He was 55 at the time. We, we don't <laughs> – I promise you, in his younger days, he was a very, very, very efficient point guard. Uh, one of the best assisted turnover guys in the league. One of the, the best free throw shooter in the league. Excellent spot-up shooter. And, look, is he going to take Memphis to the championship with Powell? No, but Powell is undoubtedly going to be happier in Memphis with one of his countrymen. It's someone that they know each other's game. I I think this is a great fit. And if you can just – I think Jose Calderon, with a bright amount of talent, could get a team out of the first round if he was your fourth or fifth best player. I – Maybe that's a stretch. I, I I do believe that. But in any case, I I just love the pairing here with with Powell and Jose. I, did they ever play together in their careers? And in, in the NBA, it's so, so weird that they, I don't think they ever have. Did they have they? I'm gonna look. I know I know they they definitely were a part of that Olympic team. Um, that the uh, we just watched. I just watched the doc on this U.S. Olympic team. All right, but in any way. Who was that? Anyway, uh, what? wait, was Powell on the Lakers in 2017? No. He was retired in 2017. Okay, no. then no, they I never think. played together. Or was he with, was he with, with the Bulls or he was retired? Or he was no, he was Bulls. with the Bulls in 14 to 16. And then I want to say he played for the Spurs in 17. Yeah. Or the Milwaukee right. Bucks. I do remember the, that. Bucks was in 19. Spurs was in yeah. uh, 18 through um, through 19 until they moved him to the Bucks for three games and then he retired. Uh, All right. So, nope. They never played together. Okay. So the, the Seattle Supersonics uh, pick number 14 via the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I, I wish I could remember who they traded to get that pick, but I honestly don't. Um, your final selection, uh, Mr. Vincent Goodwill. Uh, so this is going to be like really boring because the the okay. Supersonics have they have Ray Allen, they have Rashard Lewis. You got two scores, right? And now T.J. Ford. And now T.J. Ford. So you got point guards. You got two wings. I'm going to go with a bruiser, another foreign player from the Republic of Georgia. Want to go with Zaza Pachulia? Ooh. Ooh. Remember, two years later, in 2005, yeah. they had a, a center named Jerome James who was giving the San Antonio Spurs fits in the second round of the playoffs against the soon-to-be champion Spurs, and they win six games with virtually that same sort of roster. So if you give me Zaja Pachulia, a young Zaja, maybe he doesn't step under people's ankles, maybe doesn't <laughs> cause havoc. I feel like I feel like with the point guard play with the wings, I feel like Jaja with the still bump and grind NBA that it was in 2003 could reasonably fit in with that team as the rebounder and screener. Boring, I know. 
I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I think the one thing it's not is boring because it's interesting. Like Z- I'm going to be honest, Zaza was not even on my board. Uh, but you're absolutely right. For what that Sonics team lacked, and especially now with TJ Ford, there's just no toughness, no interior, anything. And like you said, Jerome James, who by the way got a paid a ton of money by the Knicks off of that series, he yes, should he send got thirty. Them. He got thirty million dollars, which would be peanuts today. He should send Tim Duncan. Well, yeah, yeah, but for him, I mean, he should send Tim Duncan royalty checks off because I don't know. And I remember that series, and to this day, I still don't understand how he he, he played that well against a really, really good Spurs uh, front line. But yeah. Uh, it's really interesting though. Like, does a young Zaza make a difference in a playoff series against Tim Duncan at all? I like it, look. It, it sounds disingenuous to say yes, but you, you're kind of thinking about it. Like, if Jerome James could have an effect, it's a question. All right. Yeah. So, all right. So, with our final selection today, uh, this has been one of our our more fun ones. I really enjoyed this one. I thought we'd run out of stuff to talk about after the fourth pick, but no, no, we've actually kept this going. Uh, the Orlando Magic, and and they are just just stuck in in T Mac purgatory, at, at least until you know they bottom out uh, this upcoming season. Uh, Mike Payton, uh, can, can you? He got a smile on his face. What do, what do you what do you got do, cooking over there? Do you, do you have do you have someone in mind to help out our friend of the show, Grant Hill? Oh boy, do I have somebody in mind, and I've had someone in mind since last week when I felt like Keith challenged me a little bit. I did. To well, you know, I like to go crazy. Oh, oh God, no. Okay. From Serbia in Montenegro. No. Orlando Magic select Darko Milicic. I'm doing Future it. Orlando Magic anyway, Darko Future Milicic. Orlando Magic anyway. Look, I said it last week on last week's show. The worst thing that ever happened to this kid was that he got drafted by the Pistons. And it, it killed everything. It killed his confidence. It sent him into a depression. It, it was the worst thing that ever happened to him. So what if he gets drafted by a team that could actually do something with him? What if he gets drafted by a team that that isn't trying to win a championship, has time to develop him, has a pretty good coach? Doc Doc uh, Rivers is the coach. Um, I mean, I I just think that this is the perfect team for for him to land. Other than I, you know, I think Sacramento would have been a better team because he would have been there with Peja, but. I think you send him to Orlando. There's nothing here. Like he it's, he's working with T Mac and, and Rod Strickland. That's two guys that are, you know, pretty good guys to, to, to be on a team with Juwan Howard's here too. That's another great guy to learn from. He's got a bunch of vets to help him learn the way he's got a great coach. He's got, he's got all the runway that you could possibly give him. And if he can't make it work here, well then, well then, we'll all just agree that it, he was just doomed to fail. But I, I really think that I just saved Darko Milicic's career. I, I think I don't, I, we don't know if he'll ever become the player that we all maybe thought he was. But I think he at least becomes a, a guy who is a serviceable player off the bench for years and years to come. 
maybe he even exceeds that expectation and becomes a great player, an all-star. All right. You're laying it on a little thick at the end there. Um, all-star. All, look, you, look, all-star. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Pause. All-stars around this time? We, I mean, look at some of the guys who were making the all-star team around this time. We just talked about a guy, I can't remember his name, from a couple weeks ago who got in uh, just because they needed Jamal to- McGlure? Yeah, Jamal McGlure made a freaking all-star team. Like, uh, you know, they Ben Wallace was the defensive player of the year and did not make the all-star team around this time uh, because they just needed to, they needed enough players from, from the conference to fill in. And they put in Sharif Abdul Rahim, who was, you know, not a bad player by any stretch, but like you could make an all-star. Chris Kamen was an all-star. Like you could make an all-star team around this time. Yeah, but Chris Kamen could play. I'm um, just saying. All right. Uh I, I will say this. You you do have a point that you definitely have have saved Darko's career with this pick because I guarantee you neither of us would have picked him. Um, I, I do want to say just a couple of, uh, we had some really good players that are, that, that didn't get taken in this top 50, most notably Boris DL. Yeah. I had, I had, would have been the other guy. I would have been, I actually had him in the top 10 on my board. I just couldn't find a good fit for him. Uh, Mikel Petrus of the, we believe warriors among, among probably seven or eight other teams, but we remember him from that in the Orlando magic. Uh, James Jones, Carlos Delfino. James Jones was a pretty good basketball player. Uh, I know people, he's the GM of the Suns now, but like, I just want to make note of like, he was a mid second round pick by the Pacers. No one even thought he would make the NBA. He lasted in the NBA for over a decade. And like, he was like LeBron James's personal uh, three point marksman. Like, he would leave a team, he would join a team, bring, get, get them to sign James Jones leave to somewhere else and bring James Jones along with him. Like that's how impressed LeBron was with James Jones, but Matt, Matt Bonner yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, Matt Bonner. I think he was like fifth or sixth in win shares in that draft. Oh God. What was his, didn't he have a, like a really funny nickname? Red Mamba. Red Rocket. Thank Red you. Rocket, that's what it was. It was Red something. I knew that. Yeah. He was, he was one of the, not one of the originals, but one of the, more notable, like stretch fives that couldn't guard anybody uh, of his day. Nick Collison, maybe yeah, not a great, we, maybe not a huge great player, but a guy that's going to stick around and plant some he's, roots. He's quite literally, the only player in this draft class that never got traded, never got cut, got drafted, and then retired with the same team. All right, but this concludes our uh, 2003 uh, NBA redraft. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun with this. I hope you guys did too. Absolutely. Uh, yep. So, uh, yep. Uh, Vince, we want to once again thank you for coming on, and uh, please take this time to plug whatever you whatever you got, anything you got. Plug it all, man. <laughs> no, no. Only, only thing I will plug is uh, the Good Word with Goodwill podcast on Yahoo Sports. It's a part of the uh, Bald Online Network. Uh, go wherever you're listening to this. You can go find Ball Don't Lie. We come on every Mondays. So feel free to subscribe and review and all of that stuff, man. So I really appreciate you guys having me on, man. This was really, really oh, yeah. fun as always, man. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to this one for, for a couple months now. This, this is a, this was, I thought this would go great and it did. 
Definitely. We would love to have you back at some point, Vince. You know, we're, we're, we've got a lot of redrafts left to do. <laughs> um, and and obviously, you know, uh, you covered the Pistons for a while, and, and we could definitely get some good Pistons content uh, from you that we'd love to hear some I stories. I got PTSD but... from my time covering the Pistons. I get it. That makes sense. Well, now, what were those? Ex- was it like 08 to 6 to like 15? 09 to 15. My- oh, so you were like the jinx. I, I covered I-, I covered the Matt Patricia Lions, so I've got some PTSD myself. Uh, although things are going a lot better now, though. Uh, but- well, see, I, I quit the Lions 20 years ago, so I don't feel anything. Yeah, well. Everyone, I quit yeah, the Lions 20 plus years. I quit the Lions July 27th, 1999. That's the day I quit, and I've never come back. Wow. You, you felt Barry out the door, huh? You really When Barry that? left, I was like, now nah, it's as good as time for me to go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, that's a whole nother, whole nother yeah. topic with yeah. this. Uh, that, that, is more, a, yeah. Yeah. That, that is another hour and a different another sport. Hour and an entirely a, different podcast. A lot of therapy. So, uh, let's, uh, let's go on and get out of here. Uh, next week we had, we are going back to the movies. Keith finally picked a movie. He finally did it. it took a while. Uh, we had to hold him down and waterboard him to find before he finally picked a movie. We are going to be covering the, uh, I, I, classic cult classic, a much, I would much, call it, I would, I would call it a, a niche classic. A uh, niche so classic. It's, it's a movie called Celtic pride. Uh, when fandom goes wrong. Critically I, panned movie. Yeah, but, critically panned, but <laughs> yes. I, I, I honestly thought it was hilarious. And that there's a little Pistons reference in the middle of the movie, which of course there would be. And but, uh, this yeah. is a movie about an NBA Finals that features the the Utah Jazz and the Boston Celtics of the late '90s. So, oh boy, hold on, we'll see you guys uh, next week with Celtic Pride.